Thank you, Rodney. Praise God. God is so good. And we really appreciate his love and his kindness toward us, his faithfulness to us throughout all seasons of life. Doesn't matter what season we're in, he never changes. And we are so, so grateful that we can build our lives on that sure foundation of the love of God. So praise God. Speaking of the love of God, that's what we're going to be talking about today. I'm going to be sharing with you today from uh, the scriptures concerning his love. If you're like me, and I'm assuming you are in some ways, you need to be reminded of the love of God as I need to be reminded of God's love on a continual basis. It's not an academic topic that we were taught years ago and we still remember it. We still have our diploma because we, we took the credits and we, we passed the grade, but it's something that on an ongoing basis, day in and day out, especially as the, in, in the environment that we find ourselves in today, it's really important that we be reminded that the love of God is first and foremost, and our life is to be built on the sure foundation of Jesus Christ, on his love that keeps no record of wrong. Amen. We can just go home right now, and you have enough to chew on the rest of the week. His love keeps no record of wrong. Man, that just, that just alleviates a whole bunch of stuff from our from our. Uh, space from our minds and we, it frees us up to do a whole lot more creative things. But the good news is, is that his love keeps no record of wrong, that he is, he is for us, he's not against us. Absolutely nothing can separate us from the love of God. So I want to uh, dive right into the word this morning and share with you this morning uh, concerning his love and how we are to be compelled by the love of God. The Apostle Paul, when he's writing to the church at Corinth, among many other things that he shared with them, but he shared with them in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he made a statement concerning the motive of why they're doing what they're doing. And it's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 14. He said, for the love of Christ, for the love of Christ. Everyone say the love of Christ. It's the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them that rose again. So it's the love of God. Back in, in verse 14, he said, it's for the love of Christ compels us. Now, I want you to say it again, the love of Christ. Christ. It's important that you hear that and receive that. Say one more time, the love of Christ compels me. It's different than, it's not saying my love compels me. A human love on a human level. If it's my love that's compelling me, some days I'm just not going to pray for you because I'm mad at you. I'm upset. I'm frustrated, and I'm not going to pray for you. I'm not going to do what I'm supposed to do because my love for you at the moment is not very hot. But the love of Christ in me compels me to do what is right regardless of how I'm feeling. Because I have no room to keep record of wrong when I'm functioning in the love of Christ. So the Apostle Paul said, it's the love of Christ that compels us. So I want you to begin to focus on it. It's, it's a shift in our thinking, in our mindset that, you know, uh, that many times we feel guilty, we feel inadequate because we, we're just not quite measuring up like we are thinking that we should be measuring up because I'm not having proper thoughts. I'm not thinking correctly. My attitude's just not quite right. And I know God at the moment is just not pleased with me, but I'm, I'm, I'm stuck in this place. It's my current reality and I don't know what to do about it. So we just finally, we give up and think, well, I just don't measure up. I'm just not worthy. 
And we need to dismiss that because that's, that's uh, religious thinking. And the Apostle Paul said, the love of God compels us. Now, for me to get up here this morning and stand before you today and say, you know what, church, Grace Church, y'all need to love one another. We all just need to love one another. Although true, it's not saying nothing new, and it's really not empowering. Matter of fact, there's more guilt and condemnation in that than there is empowerment. You just need to love one another. You need to take the high road. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that a long time ago. But give me something to take the high road on. Give me some lift under the wings to lift me up on the high road. Give me something to chew on. Give me something to meditate on. And so we don't just want to go around and reminding one another and reminding ourselves, you know what? We just need to love one another. The key is and the goal should be to discover God's love that compels. Discovering his love that compels, that is truly significant. For the love of Christ compels us. The love of Christ compels us. My concept of God in my formative years of my life, and then my, uh, especially as a young adult, having received Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior, during those formative years, I was under the influence of, uh, not drugs, <laughs> not alcohol, at least I don't remember, but, <laughs> but under the influence of a lot of religious thinking. And the concept was, you know, my, my, my concept of God was shaped more of a threat of losing his favor than it was of enjoying his divine favor. The idea was is that uh, if you do wrong, God's going to be displeased with you and you're going to lose his favor and there's certainly going to be some consequences for that. So there's a constant fear, a paranoia. I grew up with the idea that God is just angry. And he's just waiting for us to make a mistake. And thank God, if it wouldn't be for Jesus Christ, we'd all be toast. That was my, that was my concept of God. Even though I could tell you, John 3, 16, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And the next verse, God did not send his son to condemn me to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Yet I had this concept that God was angry. God's up here and he's angry. I'm here and he's angry at me. And if it wouldn't be for Jesus in between, I would really be in big trouble. But then one day a light went on and I realized John 3, 16, it says, God so loved the world. It was God's idea to send Jesus. Jesus was God's idea. Amen? Amen? And so the love of Christ, the love of God, compels us, compels us. So we want to be recon, uh, uh, in recognition and a, a, a always being cognizant that, that I am loved by God this very moment. In my current reality, I am loved by God. The incredible good news of the gospel is that our relationship to God is not based on if and then. Meaning that if I do right, then God will love me. If God only loves me when I do right, and I know I'm willing to admit to you that I never do completely right all the time, therefore God never completely loves me anytime. 
So it's not based on if I do right, then God will love me, but it's based on because and therefore. The scriptures teach us in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 19, it says, we love because. Because what? He first loved us. We love because he first loved us. In 1 John 3, 16, it says, by this we know, love because he laid down his life for us. So as you're hearing this today, it may be new for some of you. It may be something, that, hey, I heard this before, but keep preaching. I need to hear it again. But as you're hearing this today, know that you are loved. You are loved because God so loved you that he gave his only son. He laid down his life for us. Allow his love, the love of Christ, to penetrate deep within your heart. Allow your mind to be renewed, your thinking to be renewed, that in your current reality, whatever that may be, it may, you may be thinking, well, my current reality is it's pretty good. Or some of you may be thinking, my current reality stinks right now. That's why I'm here today. I'm in trouble. Or some of you may be watching from home saying, my current reality is so bad, I wouldn't, I'd be embarrassed to go to church. But you tuned in this morning hoping no one would know it. But we see you. We see you. And thank you for tuning in. We're glad you're a part of it. I want you to know that God loves you in your current reality, in your jammies, in your bed, because you couldn't roll out and get here. But anyway, <laughs> God loves you. And we're glad you're tuned in with us this morning. So praise God. You're loved. You're loved without any reference to your current reality. Reminds me of the story, one of my favorite stories revealing the love of God from John, excuse me, Luke chapter 15. It's referred to as the story of the lost son. And in that particular story of the lost son, many of you may be familiar with it. If you're not familiar with it, I want to encourage you to read it. It's found in Luke chapter 15. Jesus gave the parable of the lost son, and he gave it to, to, to uh, correct wrong thinking about the love of God. And it was uh, the story is about a father and two sons, and the son asked for his inheritance. So the father gave the inheritance to the two boys. The one boy went out, and he completely blew his inheritance on, on ungodly living, and eventually found himself without money and without friends and found himself in a very dire situation. And he says he came to himself. He came to himself. The other brother continued at home, faithful, dutiful, never did anything wrong. Older brother. How many people have an older brother that never did anything wrong? They always did everything right. How many of you have been told, why can't you be like your brother? Why can't you just be like your sister? Anyone? A couple of you? See, that was always said about me. All my 15 siblings were always told, why can't you be like Raymond? <laughs> why can't you just be like Raymond? If you believe that, I have a couple condos to sell you also. <laughs> Praise God. So in your current reality, you are loved. In this, in, with, the, with the lost son, he was in a situation where he was completely messed up. If there's any limitations to the love of God, to the grace of God, to the mercy of God, Jesus painted a story of, this, of the younger brother that completely would have stretched the limits of God's mercy, of God's forgiveness, and God's grace. 
And Jesus painted the picture that way on purpose because he wanted his audience to recognize and to realize that God's love is unfailing and it's unending. See, we we weren't instructed in scripture to be aware of the fact that love keeps no record of wrong. We, we're not given a different standard of love than what God himself is. If, if Christ's love in me is teaching me that I should not be keeping record of wrong, do you think it's safe to assume that God's not keeping record of wrong? Oh, but Pastor Ray, how can you say that? Does that mean I can do anything I want? No, the love of God will compel you to do what's right when you get a revelation of it. Until you get a revelation of it, you may abuse it. Just like the younger brother abused it. He asked for the inheritance. It was given to him. He abused it. But when he came to himself, what do you think was the possible? What do you think may have been a, a, a factor in him coming to himself or him coming to his senses? I personally believe it was a picture of home. It was a remembering the father. It was remembering the father's love. See, the story of the, the parable of the lost son is not really a parable about the younger son or the older brother. It's really a parable. It's a story about the loving father who's loving both. He's loving the, he's loving the younger brother that's lost in a distant land, and he's also loving the older brother who's out, who, who, who is outside refusing to join the celebration because he's holier than thou. He's never did anything wrong. He was always faithful. He's loving both of them. He's compelling both of them to come into the house and celebrate. But in that particular story, I'm going to encourage you to read it. Read it soon. You know, after the service here, go ahead and read it if you're not familiar with it. But the son came to a place. He came to himself and he rehearsed his repentance speech. And he went back to the father and said, Father, I have sinned and I am no longer worthy. Matter of fact, let's just take a moment here and let's look at that. I want you to know where it is. Luke chapter 15 In Luke chapter 15, I believe it's verse 19, somewhere in that area. Yes, in verse 19, the the younger son, he said, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. This is his repentance speech. He's rehearsing it when he came to himself. And then he arose and came to his father, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, verse 21, the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. That, my friend, when you first read that, you may think that's commendable. The man came to his senses, thank God that he's repentant, thank God that he's coming back to the Father, but he's also making a very religious statement. He's also making a statement that is implying that he has, he's clueless to the degree of the Father's love that is available to him that can compel him to do the right thing when he said that, yes, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight, but then he brought judgment upon himself. He said, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Now, you might think, well, that's really commendable. Thank God he came to his senses. Thank God he repented. Thank God he realizes that he really messed up and he's really putting himself in a position that, yes, he doesn't deserve to be a son. He deserves to be a servant the rest of his life because he really messed up. Don't you remember that inheritance he wasted? Don't you remember all that time and pain he caused the family and all the grief that he put the family through? Don't you remember that? 
Don't you remember 1 Corinthians 13 where love keeps no record of wrong? So what are you doing remembering the inheritance that was blown? What are you doing remembering all the pain that he caused? If you're so holy and he's not, if we're so right and he's so wrong, what are we doing remembering all his wrongs? But the love of God compels us to love one another. The love of Christ in us compels us to to have this son come back into our lives. Now, people like this come back into our lives, just like he was able to come back into the father's life. And yes, he he was repentant. And thank God he came to his senses and he came back but, and, and, and he made this, re, uh, he rehearsed his speech here and, and he said, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. I love the next verse, the first word of the next verse, verse 22. But, but the father said, to his servants, bring the best robe and put it on him. Bring a ring and put it on his hands and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to be merry. And you can go on and read the rest of the story. The older brother wasn't too thrilled about it, just like many times we're not thrilled about it when we know that the love of Christ in us is compelling us, it's, it's pushing us, it's moving us in a direction of forgiveness, it's putting us in a direction of accepting someone that comes back into our lives who has deeply hurt us wounded us, accepting people that think different than we do, that look different than we do, that vote different than we do, accepting people because we are compelled by the love of God to love one another. Amen? Amen? And not, being, not keeping records of wrong. Not keeping records of, because we are compelled by the love of God. And to know that just as this young boy was compelled by the love of God to come back and the love of God was readily available for him and restored him right into a place of, of, of sonship, put him right back into where he was just as if nothing had ever happened. That, my friend, is also your story. It's my story. It may not be all the same details, but we also have come back to the Father. And the Father's compassion and his love for us and his love that's been deposited into our heart by the Holy Spirit is none less, it's, it's, it's nothing less than what was here for this young man. And many times we have the same attitude, well, I'm not worthy to be called a son, but I'll be a servant in the house of God. That sounds very commendable, but it's also very dangerous. You are a son in your relationship to your heavenly Father. We are sons and daughters in our relationship, and we are loved by him, unconditionally loved by him, and he's keeping no records of wrong. He loves you, and it's a revelation of his love for you in your current reality is what will compel you to begin doing servanthood. See, you don't serve to be loved. We love, we serve because we're loved. If you're striving to earn the Father's love, you will never get it. The enemy will play with your mind and he'll always keep raising the bar. He'll keep raising the bar and keep raising the bar and you'll never arrive at a place where, ah, I arrived, I did it, I finished it. The father is so proud of me, he loves me. No, he's so proud of you now. 
He loves you in your current reality. This very moment, you are the focus of his unconditional love. You are loved without any reference, absolutely no reference to your current reality. You might be thinking, but, but I am messed up. Well, you may be messed up, and I may be inclined to agree with you that you're messed up. <laughs> but I'm also inclined to believe the word that's a higher authority than, than your current reality, or it's a higher authority than my current reality, and that higher authority is, is that I'm, we are loved by God. And that makes everything good. Makes everything good. And I can tell what some of you are thinking, because you know the thoughts cross my mind as well. Yes, yes, but I'm really, you're, you're really asking me to leave someone off the hook. What are you doing having someone on a hook? What are you doing with someone on a hook? That sounds a little manipulative to me. That sounds controlling. That sounds domineering. That doesn't sound very loving. No and believe, knowing and believing his love will compel you toward correct, biblical, loving behavior. It'll, it'll begin to flow out. It'll begin, it'll begin to be natural. And it'll be less painful. As stated in 1 John 4, 19, we love because he first loved us. This is the foundation to build our lives upon, the love of God. We're not working towards earning his love. We are at this very moment, this very moment. Look at your neighbor and say, this moment, you are loved by God. Tell him to receive it. Receive it and grow in it. Amen. So the highest motivation for obedience is love. Not a fear of consequences, not an expectation of reward. My early years of Christianity and my formative years as a child were a fear of consequences. I had no idea. I had no idea that I did not be, need to be afraid of God, but I was afraid of him. I was afraid of him. I was afraid to die. Even though I was afraid to die, I had the courage to buy a motorcycle. <laughs> and I bought the motorcycle, and my dad encouraged me greatly. He said, what do you want to do, kill yourself? And that helped a lot. But you know what? Being a young man, afraid to die, buying a motorcycle, I started to pray. <laughs> Now, this is not a big commitment. This is a short-term commitment. While I'm riding to where I'm going, keep me safe. <laughs> and then when I'm done doing what I'm doing, get me home safely. <laughs> but eventually, I came around and surrendered my complete life over to God. Thank God for that. But that's the frame of mind I was in. I, I say that to, to shed, I, I, was, I, I feared God in a, in a wrong, not in a reverential fear, but literally feared him that he was angry with me and I'm going to mess up and I'm going to pay the consequences. So, but thank God we got all that straightened out. Developed a relationship with a loving God and I'm still learning on a daily basis more and more that God loves me and he loves me in my current reality. If I'm having a good day, he loves me. When I'm having a bad day, he loves me. His love for me does not vacillate on my vacillation. My up and down. 
He doesn't change. And thank God he doesn't change. That's why it's so important. Back to 2 Corinthians 5, verse, whatever verse it was, 14, I believe. It says, the love of God compels us. The love of Christ. Make that shift in your mind. As you leave here today, purpose it. Okay, I'm going to make that shift in my mind that it's the love of God. It's the love of Christ that's going to be compelling me to do as I need to be doing. I want to close with this prayer that the Apostle Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus. It's recorded in Ephesians chapter 3, beginning at verse 14. I'm going to read this, and then we're going to close by, by praying this over ourselves. And also, all you want, those of you watching online, we're going to be praying it for you as well. So you receive this. This is a, it's a powerful prayer, and it's just a, it's just a very... Uh, great place. It's, it's a great resource and a great prayer for you to pray and search your own name in here and, and make this applicable to your life and getting to that place where I am developing and I am growing in Christ's love for me so that my life, I can begin to be compelled. My motivation for what I'm doing is out of a heart of love. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, for this reason, I bow my knee to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and in earth is named, that he would grant you, Grace Church family, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in your inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, which passes knowledge. We don't want to take time to teach on this whole prayer, but that's a very important part of it right there, that, that phrase, the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. We have a lot of knowledge. Some of it edifies us and some of it frustrates us. But the love of God surpasses all of it. Allow the love of God to just surpass all the information that you have. Verse 19 again. To know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, I thank you for this prayer that the Apostle Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus. As we just pray to hear for the church here at Grace, we thank you and we praise you, Lord God, for all those uh, uh, worshiping with us uh, online. We thank you, Lord God, that this prayer covers each and every household, whether it be an individual, whether it be together as a family, whatever your uh, current circumstance may be, whatever our current circumstances may be, the love of God, the love of God is compelling us to do the right thing, to love one another, to be kind to one another, and, and, and to uh, discontinue keeping track of one another. For your love declares that you never, we are not to keep record of wrong. So help us, Father God, just like the father in the story of the lost son. Before the son ever came back, it's recorded that the father uh, was, was watching for him. 
on a daily basis. He was waiting for him to come back. He didn't just love him when he came back. He loved him. That's why he came back. Father, you love us. That's why we come back to you. And it's your love for us is compelling us. It's compelling us and it's directing our behavior in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. It's a powerful force and it never fails. And so we trust completely in your love for us. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Perhaps you're saying, Pastor Ray, that is powerful. I've never heard that before. I was in the same circumstances you were in as far as being afraid of God. If you're in a, if you're in a season of life, you're saying, yes, I'm afraid of God. I'm afraid to die. The good news is, just like I received it in my early 20s, that I don't have to be afraid of God, that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to pay the penalty for all my wrongs, for all my sin. He has done likewise, that same sacrifice of Jesus at Calvary's cross has paid the price for all of us. So receive him as your personal Lord and Savior uh, and, and, and embrace his love, receive his love for you, and, and he will bring you into a relationship with him. You'll come into a, a relationship of sonship, covenant relationship with him, no longer, and out of that we begin to serve God, but know that God loves you. And uh, receive him. So let, let me just lead in a prayer right now. Even those of you may be watching online, you, you pray this uh, simple prayer. It's a simple prayer, but it has profound results to it. Let's just pray it together right here. Say, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you so loved us that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die for us, to pay the penalty for all of our sin. We believe and I believe that he was raised from the dead. And your Bible declares, the word declares, that if I believe this in my heart and confess this with my mouth, that I am born again. So thank you for new birth. Thank you for new beginning. And thank you for new life, eternal life. Thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You prayed that for your very first time as you're leaving here today. Let one of us know. There's also books back here on, on the table uh, talking about the basics of found, the foundations of your new life in Christ. If you're online and prayed that prayer, make sure you connect with us, and we'd love to hear from you. God bless you. Have a terrific rest of the day. And also, real quickly, as we're going out today, as the weather's getting cooler, it looks like it may be pretty nice out there right now, and we're having more people come. I want to remind you of, we encourage you to do social distancing here in our lobby, because we have children coming out of the wing over there, and we're all coming out here. We all come in separately, and there seems to be a lot of space, but let's, let's not all go out there together, and also be considerate, and wear your mask if you want to hang out out in the lobby and fellowship out there. We encourage you to do the mask and, and honor others by please giving social distance and just love on one another and let's be mindful of one another and be kind to one another. Amen. Amen. And above all, never forget Psalm 91. Amen. His angels are with us and no harm, no evil, no virus, no plague shall come nigh us in Jesus' name. Amen. That, my friend, I have been praying diligently for a long time, but more so this past year than ever before. And I even pray that over you on days when I don't feel like I'm loving you, but, <laughs> but I'm compelled to do so. So God bless you. So have a terrific, terrific rest of the day, and we will see you real soon. God bless.